0: So, uh, as I said before, for those that don't know and for those that are on the thing, this isn't a fashion statement going on, as cool as it looks, Um, more I had four, four operations or four procedures on my knee at the same time. Um, to try and rectify about 13 or 14 years of knee pain, so I'll find out in about 6 months. So I am meant to be off work until a little bit later in March, but that's okay. So I'm just not up to kind of full speed, but if you want to come around to my house and have a cup of tea, or biscuits, or a Pepsi Max cherry, then uh, you're more than welcome. But uh, the likelihood of me coming around to your place, well at least walking around, is highly unlikely. So uh, I am about, but it's more kind of come to my house and say hello. That would be really cool. Um, actually, as of next week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. So Easter, as you will well be aware, because you've probably been into convenience stores and seen mini eggs have appeared and, and the like, although they were about before Christmas, would you believe? Uh, that Easter is just around the corner. And as a church, we wanted to kind of set aside time in the build up to Easter and think about that a little bit more since it's the most significant time Uh, the the significant moment in all of human history or all of history uh, itself really, uh, the Easter story. And so with that being just around the corner, we're going to kind of put this on ice a little bit um, and we're going to do something different. On the cross, when Jesus is dying for the sins of the world, he says seven things. And so over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at each of those. Um, He says seven words, things like, I thirst, or he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Or he he says, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so we're going to kind of, over the next seven weeks, including Easter Sunday, look at those different things. Actually, what they tell us about what God's done for us in the person of Jesus upon the cross. I've never done anything like that before. It won't just be me. It'll be a, a team of people speaking. But I'm quite excited about that, actually, because here's the kind of central point of all of history And so actually what Jesus says in that moment is going to be massively important, isn't it? Um, And it tells us a lot about what kind of saviour we have with the things that he says from upon the cross. But this morning we're on names of God and I'm looking at Jehovah Nissi, um, which is N-I-S-S-I, which means the Lord is my banner. And with all these different names, which maybe get a bit lost in the context of today, it's kind of important to find out, well, where did it come from? What relevance has it got for me today? Because it's a bit of a weird statement, really, isn't it? Do you not think the Lord is my banner? When I think of banners, I think of kind of uh, old, um, traditional, big church buildings with banners, with maybe verses on and some flowers. Do you know what I mean? Like they're purple, and it'll say... God is life, verse 7, and then there'll be like some lilies on it or something. Um, That's what I often think of with banners. Um, It's not necessarily my bag, as you can see. We don't have any hanging up. Um, But that's what you might think of, or you might think of kind of marches, you know, like protests. I remember um, in the, it must have been in the mid-90s, I reckon, um, going on marches with my family. And going through the city of Preston, lovely city if you've ever been, worth a visit. Uh, it's in Lancashire, so it's got to be good. Um, the, the lovely city of Preston with thousands of other Christians singing, We are marching in the light of God. Anybody remember that classic? We were really cool. And uh, we had loads of banners. And I can remember marching along with all these banners singing, We are marching in the light of God, I think in English and in Swahili. And there being a prison and all the prisoners kind of like hanging out at the bars like waving stuff. And I remember them being quite excited. But as I was kind of preparing this, I was thinking, actually, in my naivety, I reckon all the prisoners were quite excited. Probably they were mocking us quite strongly. I'm guessing, but that's what we used to do. So when I think of oh, all the Lord is my banner, I think of me as like a, you know, I don't know how old I was not too old, marching through the city of Preston uh, with a banner in front of me. Um, Or you might think of churches, or you might think of protests, or whatever. But this is the reference from Exodus chapter 17, and it's going to be in Exodus the whole time. It's the second book of the Bible. So if you have taken a Bible, that's where we're going to be. We're not really going to move from there. Um, But it's specifically verse 15 and 16, which follows the story on which we get this name of God. This is where we get Jehovah Nissi from. Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with uh, Amalek from generation to generation. And before we read a bit of the story uh, of the Bible, uh, what's going on here, we need to see that actually in in biblical times when Moses says, the Lord is my banner, it does mean something different to that which probably goes through your head in terms of maybe waving a little flag out the front or a banner in church. It's nothing angry or anything like that, but Hebrew for banner literally means more of like a standard, um, a signal, a sign. Um, I... Have a kind of vague interest in history, particularly kind of warfare. Um, and I, I quite like the kind of old battles, if you like. And there used to be a TV program, oh, this is ages ago, that was on at tea time and it reenacted using like a computer engine, like battles from the Middle Ages. Uh, and they would always have, with these different armies, there'd always be people that are holding the flag of their army. You'd always have it, wouldn't you? You see TV programs today or you watch old films or films based on fights that happen in in the Middle Ages. And there's always standard bearers. There's always people that are holding the colors of that army. They're holding the banner for uh, that army against the other one. And that's kind of more the imagery that's being conjured up here by Moses in calling Yahweh, calling God, our Banner. That's what you need to think of, not somebody angry at a protest at Donald Trump with a funny placard. Okay, so when we're thinking, we're thinking more of kind of in the context of a battle, in the context of this needs to be seen because I know where I need to be. I need to know where my friends are. I need to know where I need to go, where refuge is where help is, and whose side I'm on. So this is the passage. I'm going to read it from Exodus 17, the second book of the Bible, written by Moses himself. And uh, this is after Israel have been freed from Egypt. They've, uh, the plagues have happened. Um, the, the Red Sea's been split. If you've never read Exodus, then do it. Um, it's a great book, but most of you would have probably seen, um, you know, Prince of Egypt. So that's a, that's a good second best. Um, it'll give you a vague idea of where we're up to. That's all happened. And now they're at a place, uh, they're on their journey towards the promised land. This is a place where God has said, this is going to be your home. And they're on their way there when this happens. Then uh, Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, that's the first time we meet a guy called Joshua, choose for us men and go out to fight with uh, Amalek, the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and he fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of a hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, uh, he was holding the the staff of God. Whenever he held up his hand, uh, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands... Amalek prevailed but Moses' hands grew weary so they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then directly after that you get Moses sets up an altar and says the Lord is my banner and we get this name of God, way of connecting with God, way of understanding what God's character is like as he is our banner following what is frankly a bit of a weird account. It is a bit weird. It's a bit of a weird story and we'll look at that slightly. Israel are attacked um, by the Amalekites. They're a group of people who are descendants of a guy called Esau and without going into kind of Genesis family history, again you just got to read Genesis, it's a good little advert for reading the start of your Bible, isn't it? Genesis and Exodus. Um, Jacob and Esau were brothers. They fell out. They had a Barney. They kissed and made up. But there was always kind of envy and there was always a bit of hatred, specifically from Esau towards his brother Jacob, and lots of jealousy. And uh, these Amalekites are descendants of Esau, and Israel are descendants of Jacob. So there's already a bit of kind of family history, a bit of kind of Barneys going back over time. The Amalekites have got a bit of an axe to grind when it comes to the Israelites, okay? So you've got to have that in the back of your mind. And what we're told is that they attack Israel. And we're told in Deuteronomy 25, I'm not going to read it out, but we're told that basically they go to the back of the Israelites, whatever the back of the camp is, where the frail are, where the slow are, where the people that are on crutches are, and they take them out. They just slay them, so it's 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 pretty dirty tactics, really. It's not like when I was talking about those nice war—well, not nice warfare, but those warfare things before. You always get them lined up on opposite hills, don't you? And they assess one another, and then there's the volley of the arrows, and it's all very formal. There's kind of rules, even though it's war and chaos. Here, the Amalekites just attack the tail end. They take the weakest of Israel by surprise, and we don't know how many Israelites are killed, we're not told, but they sustain some losses. And it's pretty stupid of Amalek as he finds out, because he goes to war with God. We meet a guy called Joshua for the first time. Again, I'm not going to go into massive detail on him. He gets a book of the Bible named after him, so he does some cool stuff. He fights lots of battles, and he actually is the one who goes on to lead Israel after Moses. So, Then you get Moses. Joshua's in the valley, so he's heading up the troops. Moses is on the mountain. That's the scene, okay? Um, There's lots more Amalekites than there are Israelites. Um, That's just a fact, and they're outnumbered, and they're going to be in trouble. So the battle happens down in the valley, and Moses is on the mountaintop. And what Moses does, I'm going to use my crutch as an illustration. Uh, he holds up the staff of God, and whenever his hands are in the air like this, Israel is winning. Now I don't know if you've ever tried holding something in the air for any period of time. Even like, I'm sure people with muscles as large as mine struggle, after a while, holding something like this up. I'm not going to do it for the whole time, because that would just be embarrassing. But I'm already, my, left, my right arm is hurting from the microphone actually, let alone the left arm with the crutch in the air. But it, it would hurt, wouldn't it? Anybody who thinks it's not going to hurt, um, hasn't lifted a crutch in the air for a long period of time but Moses is on top of the mountain every time it's in the air and he's he's got it lifted high they're winning every time he gets tired they're losing now it can't possibly be that when this gets lower, Joshua all of a sudden he's been he's been getting people he's been brilliant and all of a sudden he forgets what to do it can't be that this is low and all of a sudden they become incompetent and they can't fight anymore Do you see what I mean? It can't be that all their skills, all the things they've learned just suddenly disappear. Something else is going on here. And that's why we end up with the Lord is my banner stuff happening. Just to say the the staff, the rod that Moses lifts up is not magic. It's not Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or something. It's not a magic staff. I know that he's had it and it's, you know he, there's been plagues that have called down. I know he's smashed it down and the sea has parted. And I know now he's holding it in the air and Israel win when it's in the air and when it's down they don't. But there's nothing special about the piece of wood. It's symbolic of the God that they serve and the power of the God that they serve. That's the point. When the staff's up high, God's on high. When it's lowered... Not so much, although God's still on high in that point, but it's symbolic of God reigning and ruling. And we find out that Moses gets so tired, because if you read the passage, the battle goes on all day, so there's obviously a bit of to and fro going on. There's obviously times where he's lowering it because he can't carry on anymore. So tired, he gets a Westlife stool, and he sits down for a bit, and his friends, his brother Aaron and his mate Her, I'm actually tired, which is why I did it, um hold up his arms for him and they hold up his arms for so long that Israel win that's the story and then you have the Lord is my banner thing for me I've been thinking about that a little bit with the weirdness of kind of the staff being up in the air and the staff being down um, and the fact that Joshua and his mates can't suddenly become rubbish at fighting it's just not logical It just doesn't fit, that something else has to be going on there. And the point is, the whole point of this passage is that the battle is God's. Which meant when the victory came, the victory wasn't down to Joshua. The victory wasn't down to Moses that couldn't even hold a piece of wood in the air. It was down to God. The reason they won, the reason they prevailed, was the strength of the Lord. Even when Moses, he can't even stand up anymore. A man cannot even stand. It can't be down to how good he is, how awesome he is, how much he did. He's out of energy. He's out of options. He's got nothing left in the tank, but God comes through. And my testimony, my story of following after God, and I'm sure anyone here who follows Jesus, their story will be time and again, time and again, when you have nothing in the tank, When you've got nothing to give, nothing to offer, nothing to contribute, God comes through. You can't see a way out. You have no hope, but God comes through. That's the point of this whole story, that God wins, that God's is the victory. That actually we'll set up an altar, we'll do this thing, so we'll remember that God comes through. So that next time we're in a trial, next time we are low, next time we are up against it, next time we're all out of energy, we can go, well, I remember last time. I remember when God came through for me last time. So I know God's going to come through for me again. You see, we forget the glorious things God has done, which is why this gets marked down as Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner, that you won't forget that he is your banner. And I think part of that is, we can look to the future, I can look to the future, and I can confidently say, and I say this to Grace sometimes, I can say, the Lord has brought me safe thus far. If you don't already say that to yourself, start saying it to yourself. The Lord has brought me safe thus far. Because you know what? It reminds you of all the great things God has already done, that God has already, he's always been in control, even when... We haven't felt like he is, that he's ruling and he's reigning. And sometimes we just have to position ourselves in a way to be able to see it. Because when we're low, when we're down, maybe we're in the depths of despair. Maybe when we can't see a way out. Maybe we're doubting or we're not trusting God. It's probably because we've started to trust ourselves. It's probably because we've forgotten how good God is. We think we're the hero when actually... God's the hero, and God calls us back to him. That's what the Lord is My Banner is about, being called back to God time and again. The real victory for the people here, and I believe the real victory for us as Christians and those that follow after Jesus, would be actually dependence on God. That's the real victory, that we would recognize our need of him our need of of all of him for everything, that he's our banner, which is why you have Moses saying that. And I'm pretty sure none of us are are facing exactly what Israel faced in that day, I don't think. I mean, I could be wrong. There could be people that are in the midst of kind of really intense conflict where people want to get us. But it's quite unlikely to be on that scale where we're in kind of hand-to-hand combat day in, day out, although we might feel like it. But we, all of us in different ways will be experiencing weakness and struggle, right? Whether that's physical, whether that's emotional, it could be spiritual. At different points in our lives, we're in good places or we're in bad places, aren't we? And the same is reflected in our walk with the Lord, isn't it? That sometimes we can find ourselves in a bit of a, a, bit of a mare, a bit of a struggle, and we think, where's God in all this? I can't see a way out. I can't see how I'm supposed to go. And we'll all have our own story. And we're, we're, like this leg thing is a bit of an inconvenience. It's a bit of a first world problem, to be quite honest. Um, I'm happy to say that. It's not the biggest deal in the world. It is annoying. But even because of that and not being able to get out of the house, it can put you in a bit of a lower mood. Or you can start to think, oh, what is this all about? Why can't I just have normal knees like, seemingly everybody else why am I so knackered God you start going down that line and you carry on down that line it doesn't lead you to very helpful places there has to come a point where you break that there has to come a point where you say hold on the Lord is my banner and it's almost as if God's used my leg for me to teach me the significance of this verse that without this maybe I wouldn't have appreciated it and I was sat with grace I'm not ashamed to share this really. I um, sat with Grace on Wednesday night and um, we were praying and chatting and um, put on a few YouTube videos of some worship music, particularly of kind of stuff uh, thinking about this Sunday, thinking about Grace has been like part of the, the music group, and obviously I'm speaking, and as we were worshiping, I just found myself crying. Now those that know me know that I, you know I have a little cry every now and again I'm a bit emotional, that's okay. Um, but this was like quite profound. It wasn't just like, you know, uh, you could spray it on my face. It was like, I wasn't bawling, but I, I was pretty emotional. And um, it was just this moment where it was just this moment of awe and wonder. And it wasn't anything about the lyrics. It, wasn't, it was just this moment where I realized, hold on, whatever I'm going through, however I'm feeling, the Lord is my banner. And there was this moment of awe and reverence of who God is. That so often I put myself at the center of my world. And that is the place of God, not me. And it was a bit humbling and a bit emotional. But I, I I realized in that moment and ahead of today that I needed to be lost in awe and wonder of who God is. Because without him, I'm lost. Without God, we are lost. I hope we know that. We are lost. And I realized I needed the Lord as my Banner. I needed to put aside my worry, my struggle, my fears, my failures. And there's that beautiful verse from Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. When we're stuck in a cycle, that's what breaks it. We lift our eyes. We recalibrate ourselves. We home in on something. And for us, it's the Lord is our banner. That standard, that flag for all to see, for want of a better word. When Joshua and his mates are in the valley, when they look up to the hillside, what do they see? They see Moses with his arms outstretched with the staff of God in the air. A visible sign of, although I'm in the trenches right now, God is with me. I can see that, I can lift myself out of this battle and I can see God on high. I know that my Redeemer lives, I know that he's there. I know, no matter how hard this present moment is, that he will come through for me. No matter how far gone I feel, no matter how far away from God I feel, that he will come through, that he will rescue, because that's his DNA. That's what God does, rescue. That's what Jesus does, Rescue. If you're looking for a word for what the cross is, what Easter is, what it's all about, it's rescue. That God would bring a people to himself. That God would make you a part of his family. And as I said, I had that moment where it was like, and I think we need these moments every day, by the way. I don't think it's a one-time moment where it was a, Dangar, it's not about you. Get out of the way. It's about me. Don't look at you, but look at me. Don't look at your circumstance. Don't look at how you feel or whatever's going on, whatever battle you face, but look at me. I am Jehovah Nissi. I am the Lord, your banner. And there's this great quote. uh, I've got a little desk at Christian Vision for Men in Chesterfield. And as you come up the steps uh, into the office, there's this great quote. I don't know where it's from, but it says on the wall, like it's been printed onto the wall, it says, your hallowed name may I bear with honor. So not my own name or my own thing, but your hallowed or holy name, God, may I bear it with honor. And it's a great quote because it's about God. And so often the things that we do become about us. Even our Christian walk becomes about us. Jehovah Nissi is a recalibration of it being about God as it rightfully should be once again. Because my life is full of muddles, it's full of complexity, it's full of mood swings, it's full of good days and bad days and days where I'm full of energy and days where I'm tired, days where I've, I could conquer the world it feels and days where I've got nothing in the tank and I don't feel like doing anything. Does anybody else have those days? Oh good, it's not just me. <laughs> there's no stability in that, there's no security in that. Is the name of God going to be honored in that? Well, sometimes, sure. But actually, if I recalibrate myself and say the Lord is my banner, that all things we have, that we're thankful for all things, is why Moses sets up an altar. You'll actually know, I think it's verse, I want to say 14. It might not be. I might have got that wrong. But there's a bit in between this passage and before Moses sets up the altar where it says, Moses tells them to write this down. What I'm about to do, I want it written down. I want you to write it down because I don't want you to forget. Because that's what we do. Right? Like, we forget. We forget what we did yesterday or what happened last week. And sometimes we forget what God's done for us. We forget He's our banner. We forget He loves us. We forget He's there for us. And I think the biggest kind of thing for us this morning in terms of an application of something that's a battle that was thousands of years ago and what's it got to do with today as the Lord is my banner is this. If you're in a battle now, whatever that might be, whether that is a spiritual battle, whether that's emotional, whether that's physical, whether that's mental, whatever it might be, whatever challenges we are facing, do not waste time exploring every other option apart from going to God with it. You're just wasting your own time and energy. Flee to God first. That's what I think Jehovah is about. Fleeing to God first. In the, in, the, in the battle, in the midst of it, so often we want to explore every other option. We want to do everything in our own strength because we want to be the hero. We want to get out of it ourselves. Well, why not just flee to God straight away? Because you're going to end up there anyway. We come to the end of our resources and our strength, and that's what we do. We run to him. But why not go earlier? As your banner, God is your refuge. He's something that is sought out. He's your direction. He's something lifted high for you to see. And the ultimate kind of down in the valley, looking up at the mountainside for hope and for a banner, is, of course, that other mountain of 2,000 years ago, where a cross stands on top of it. The symbol of God's love stands on top of a mountain whilst we're at the foot of the mountain, maybe. And we look up. And what does the cross do? Well, it brings us new life. It brings us hope for the future. It changes everything. It brings us refuge. It brings us peace. And without setting our eyes on that, without recalibrating ourselves in and through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we're still in the battle but it's as if the staff is down. We're not looking in the right place. Or if the staff is up, we're just facing the wrong way. And um, uh, just by way of finishing, so we're gonna have communion in a little bit, which fits in quite nicely. Um, it's a small kind of sub point here is that, actually, well not the sub point first, but before that, that actually it's God's victory. I said that at the start. I just wanted to say that again. That in our own lives, you know, there'll be things that we come through. And there'll be things we're thankful for as we look back. And maybe in your own life, you go, I saw God come through here. Don't forget to give him credit for it. Don't forget to remember that it's his victory. That it's not our own, but his. And uh, this occurred to me as a sub-point, really. The victory was God's in that battle. There is absolutely no doubt about it, right? It's not down to the fighting. It's not down... To Moses, I mean, he was a bit of a failure to sit on a rock. I mean, even I've not sat on the stool properly. Moses needed a rock and two mates. He couldn't do it because we can't. But it wasn't as if Joshua and Moses were doing nothing. They weren't just standing there doing nothing, were they? Joshua was actually getting his hands dirty and getting on with it, Moses was praying. Moses was interceding for the people. Now, I'm not saying that we need some physical fights. I'm not saying we should all get chipped up and be like, yeah, we need a physical battle. Because actually the Bible talks about actually our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other human beings and warfare and beating each other up. But actually some spiritual battles that we'll be going through. things, Challenges that we'll be facing in our own life. But if we want to follow God, if we want to set our eyes upon him, if we want to look upon him when we're in the midst of the battle, we actually have to do something, don't we? If we're in the battle, Joshua had to look up. He had to look up. When we're at the foot of the mountain and the cross is upon it, we have to look up. We can't just stay with our head down. The Lord is our banner. That's, it's not worth anything if we don't run to it. Do you see that? It's all well and good, the Lord being our banner. But if we don't flee to him, then it's something for somebody else, not you. But if the Lord is your banner, it's something that you flee to. And I think the call here, the call is to actually make a choice. It's to make a choice to say, yeah, I'm going to carry on following God. That The moment I'm in, whatever we face, whatever challenge it is, and those challenges are big and they're important and they're real. And they hurt, but even in those, we have to look to the Lord for help. We have to, he's the one, he wants us to go to him. The call here, I think, is not just to say the Lord is my banner, but is to act upon it. It's not just say, God, my, God you're my banner, but it's to flee to him. And we can do that in so many ways by, you know, taking up the word of God and Talking to our Father in heaven, praying about our situations and challenges that we face. Sometimes it's the last thing we think to do, isn't it? I've got this going. Oh, maybe we should pray about it. That would be amazing. And maybe it's just to talk to God about all things in our life. I don't mean a trivial thing. I don't mean like absolutely everything. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But you don't need to pray whether you're going to have a Big Mac or a Quarter Pounder. You know, as if one's worse than the other. By the way, you should always have a big mic. But more, actually, when the chips are down, when we're struggling, when we're facing challenges, when maybe there's uncertainty about today or even tomorrow, is to choose Christ. That's what we have to do, is choose Christ. Choose to recalibrate on the cross choose to choose life to say God you are Jehovah Nissi you are the Lord who is my banner my refuge, my standard my rallying point ultimately my everything that's what it means to say Jehovah Nissi that's what God is trying to convey that he is your everything if you will lift your eyes and look to him it's a great verse from Matthew 11 I just want to close with words of Jesus come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, if you're feeling restless, maybe you're restless with God, then this morning is the best time ever to just flee to him. And that's why we get Jehovah Nissi. That's what it means for God to be our banner. He's a God who we flee to. He's a God who we seek refuge in.